Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. This week, I bring you my conversation with author Meredith McDaniel. Meredith is a licensed professional counselor and owner of her private practice, Milk and Honey. She is a graduate of Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. She has also served on staff with Young Life and as the lead counselor with Inheritance of Hope. Today, she's here to discuss the importance of cultivating a habit of journaling, how we can use journaling as a tool to overcome roadblocks in our lives, and much more. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing through your podcast app, whether that's Stitcher or iTunes. And of course, I would love it if you would share the podcast with your friends. Also, if you have a question for me or want to request a guest, comment on my Instagrams at Minimalist Moms Podcast or ask me in the Facebook Minimalist Moms group. Thank you so much for your support. Now for my episode with Meredith. Meredith, thank you so much for joining me on the Minimalist Moms Podcast. Thanks for having me, Diane. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to discussing your new book. And let's just dive into a little bit more about who you are before we get into our topic for tonight. So can you tell listeners just a brief overview of who you are and what it is that you do? Sure. Well, I'm a mom of three. We have some elementary-aged kids. They are six, eight, and ten, two boys and a girl. And I am a counselor part-time. I have my own private practice named Milk and Honey Counseling here in North Carolina. Um, my husband is on Young Life staff, so he is um, hangs out with high schoolers a lot. So we've got a really full life, and I've just written my first book. Um, so I'm learning all what it looks like to balance all of those different hats and roles that I play in life right now. Okay, well... Just asking a a question that I ask every guest, I'm curious to know, do you consider yourself a minimalist? I do, but I would say that I am someone who is really trying to minimize more every day. I do, I'm I'm sentimental, so that makes it hard uh, when it comes to my kids' artwork and even some of their clothing from when they were really little, um, little things like that, that I'm slowly trying to learn to let go of and just keep a few items in our house. I can relate to that. And I usually tell people with the artwork, one of my tips is to just photograph it. And that way you can still have, you're not going to have the tangible evidence of it, but I like to include it in our scrapbooks every year. So that way I'm not completely getting rid of that memory. And then the tip in regards to baby clothes, I have recently, I'm slowly purging more and more with that, but I think it's okay to keep a handful of things. It's normal to feel sentimental about that time of life. Some people might be able to get rid of all of it, but I'm like, no, I'm going to keep a few items just for no one, honestly, but myself for the future. Yes. Well, I'm glad to hear that you feel the same way. (laughs) Yeah, no, I really do. So you work as a counselor and you hear a whole wide spectrum of people feeling paralyzed in their story or just their season of life that they're in. So coming from this perspective, what really prompted you to write this book? Yes. Well, the more that I would sit with people, the more that I would realize that we just 
we can't stay stuck in our story. You know, that is where we feel like we cannot find movement. And that is where anxiety and depression can sort of start to creep in. And we don't really know how to explain it or or articulate it necessarily. But when we start to delve deeper into what's beneath the surface, kind of some of those symptoms that are starting to show, um, we really do find out that there's some stuff from our backstory from when we've been growing up that's actually sticking with us today and affecting our life and our relationships currently. Was there something in your past that you had to somewhat work through in order to get to this point to write the book? Yes. Well, I actually started going to counseling in college, so it's been a while, um, and I, I do it kind of as needed throughout. And so that's one of the first things I tell my clients is, hey, this is a lifelong journey. Um, this isn't something that we just you know have a quick fix for, and there's a three-step process. Um, sometimes it's it's a lifelong journey, and it's starting to think about the the parts of our life that um, have been painful, um, where loss or disappointment has affected us. And yeah, there's been a good amount of loss in my life over the years. Cancer has been a big thing that have that has affected people in my life. Some some random aneurysms, just things that felt very out of my control growing up, and not understanding like what is going on? Um, How am I supposed to sort through this in my life and not start to fear my own health and my own safety and others that are close to me? How can I find peace in the midst of all these different stories that I'm hearing about and seeing? I can really relate to that just because you can start digging and trying to figure out the root of what is a driving motivation to some of whatever you might have a tendency towards. But I found out that there are roots to these problems, but how do I go about digging those up? I think that's where a lot of people get stuck is they found where this might be lying, but they don't know how to dig those, those up. You state in your book that digging up the past can be a brutal process that many of us are not eager to engage in, but it's worth it. So tell me a little bit more about that. How do we begin this process? Sure. Well, I do warn readers in the book um, that we don't want to do this process necessarily alone. I think it can start there, you know, through reading through a book that's challenging you to think more about your past and about your story. But I think we really do need people around us. So I recommend, I have a whole list in the back of the book, some restoring resources. So, you know, it could be a counselor, it could be um, a spiritual director, it could be just somebody in your community that you trust, a close group of friends that you can kind of start to be vulnerable with. And that's something that we have to practice in life. It's not something that comes, uh, I would say, naturally to us. But what happens when we're vulnerable and we share parts of our story, other people start to be vulnerable and share parts of their story too. So you start to feel less alone and you can learn from each other. And yeah, there are these seven kind of back to basics questions early on in the prologue of my book where I do, I just talk about, you know, how we were raised and how did our family dynamic look like and what did we love when we were little and what memories do we have from grade school thinking about our kids' artwork, you know? What have been our greatest disappointments in middle and high school? What has broken our heart and what makes us come alive currently? So those are some really big questions that are great prompts for journaling, for just, you know, even processing when you're riding down the road. I don't know about you, but I have these random thoughts come through my head when I'm riding down the road or I'm in the shower. And these are some really good ones that if you're wanting to delve deeper into your story, um, that you can start there. That's really great. And you do talk about how looking back to the past and kind of journaling through that, we can move forward. So talk more about the importance of journaling and reviewing our past. Why do you think that that's a significant thing to do? 
Yeah. Well, I think most of us live every single day with kind of on the surface level, you know, we're not thinking about what's in our subconscious and what's hidden beneath the surface. And I think writing, at least for me, and it's kind of been proven for a lot of people statistically that it helps kind of tap into that unconscious part of our thinking. Um, and it brings it all back up to the surface. And so what I do in the book is I lay out Um, these guided journaling questions, not just at the end of every chapter, but also kind of throughout the text of each chapter. And that is really helpful, I think, to the reader to be able to, you know, chew on a few concepts, but then have some follow-up questions. And there's actually a narrative journal that I've designed to go along with the book, which is part of the kind of pre-order bonus deal, but we're also going to have it for sale afterwards if you're listening to this later. And um, it helps you do that. It gives you a guideline. You don't have to come up with the questions yourself. Um, for me, for journaling, I really need to kind of clear the air. So a lot of times that's music for me. You know, if I can sit down in a room and turn on some music and kind of let things start floating around in me and have the paper there ready to go. And then sometimes I'll walk away and, you know, do some laundry and come back and do it. But it is something I think that gets cut out in our busy and fast paced culture. Um, and it's something that we need to return to. Hey friend, if you've been around here long enough, you'll know that I'm a big believer in quality over quantity. Throughout my minimalist journey, I've tried to slowly transition into only buying quality items. When I heard about Bomba socks, I knew I'd found a winner. They're made from super soft, natural cotton, and every pair comes with arch support, a seamless toe, and a cushioned footbed that's comfy, but not too thick. With so many colors and patterns, lengths and styles, Bombas look great anywhere that you go. I love mine and have been wearing them ever since they came a few weeks ago. One of the things that I love the most is that for every pair of Bombas that you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. So buy your own Bombas at bombas.com slash minimalist today and get 20% off of your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash M-I-N-I-M-A-L-I-S-T for 20% off. Bombas.com slash minimalist. And now back to my conversation with Meredith. How do you, I'm asking for myself personally, I've wanted to cultivate the habit of journaling because I've heard so many great things about doing so. And I, I actually did it regularly when I was maybe in early high school, but I haven't really done so since. But all that to say, how would you encourage me to start? Would you want me to do it every day or a couple times a week? I know this question is somewhat off the cuff, but I'm just curious to how you developed your own habit of journaling. Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts on that. So first of all, you have to be able to be kind to yourself and give yourself grace in very busy seasons. So when you have, let's say, an infant and you're not getting a ton of hours of sleep at night, you're not going to want to wake up early in the morning, baby's still napping or even nursing, to journal. And so that might look like a voice text that you randomly start, you know, doing on your phone on the go or Um, maybe it's just a season where you can't journal, honestly, like we're going to have times like that in our life. But if you do have a little bit more bandwidth and a little bit more white space, um, there is a book called The Artist Way, and it's by this woman named Julia Cameron. And it's it's for anyone. I think we're all artists, I would argue. We all have our own creative um, outlets and contributions and offerings to the world. And so she talks about just kind of this brain dump, like clearing the cobwebs concept. And um, at any point during the day, she calls it morning pages, but um, you're not writing with any sort of agenda. 
you literally just have the paper ready to go. And it's, you know, sitting on your dresser, sitting on your desk. And whenever you walk by during the day, you could sit down and say, set your timer for five minutes and you're just going to brain dump and you're going to get all this stuff out of you that is um, actually weighing you down and, and making you waste a lot of energy throughout the day. And once it's out of you, um, you're going to probably find yourself in a better headspace to have more energy and more time for the rest of your day. Is there any kind of format that you would be doing this? Because I have actually started to once every couple of weeks do my own brain dump, but it's kind of all over the page. There's not paragraph form. It's just, I'll make little lists, but does she say in her book that there is a format that she would like you to stick to, or is it just kind of whatever comes out? Hers is just whatever comes out. And obviously you could, you know, people do bullet journals, people do all kinds of things. You just really have to find what works for you. Um, If you need more guided questions, you know, there's a lot of those in my book. There's also just, I think there's something beautiful about being able to sit down with a blank sheet of paper and literally not have a formula and not have agenda. And I think that that makes some of us uncomfortable. But I think after you start that practice, Um, you'll be surprised how it just kind of starts flowing out. You've definitely spoken to me about having the season of a newborn. Just it is so much more difficult, even though you feel motivation to want to get up in the morning or get up before your children. It's kind of hard to do that sometimes when you're lacking. It is. So I can definitely relate to that personally. But in regards to the brain dump and just how it's benefited me, it's funny because I will – write down just random things that come to my head and I'll go back the next time that I am doing that brain dump and I'm like, Oh yeah, this was really significant. And it kind of just reiterates that thought in my head. For example, just either goals for the year or books that I want to read. And it'll remind me in that moment, like, Hey, I am thinking about this now twice. And I really want to circle back to this. Does that make sense? Yes. uh, I love seeing patterns that are popping up in my journaling. Like I have no idea. I was thinking about that, you know, so much, but here it is again, here it is popping up in my journaling again. So it's a good documentation um, to be able to go back and look and see those things that are important to you. Yeah, I definitely agree. So let's talk more about if we're having roadblocks, why would you say that journaling would be important kind of overcoming those roadblocks? And it kind of sounds like like you said, it's really cool to see patterns that maybe we can overcome them. But do you have more to say in regard to that? Sure. I think that, um, again, this has to do with tapping into our kind of subconscious. And, you know, every day when we get up before our feet even hit the ground, um, we're already starting to worry and be fearful and make a to-do list and feel like we're already behind before we've even gotten out of bed. Mm. Um, Or maybe that's just me. (laughs) But a lot of us, I think, really struggle with that. And if we are journaling and if we are brain dumping and getting all of this out of us, it's not all just kind of crammed in about to explode. And so a lot of times when I sit with kids, actually, or teenagers, In my counseling office, I explained this analogy to them of like a volcano. And instead of like holding everything in and then everything exploding on somebody eventually, you know, we need to to kind of put these little uh, like air pocket holes in the volcano and let the steam come out slowly. And really, I feel like it's like that with journaling. If we can slowly let all of these feelings and emotions come out, it's going to be way less overwhelming and it's going to point to these patterns that we were talking about over time versus them kind of hitting us like a big wave eventually. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I feel like it's just another way that we can be 
living intentionally, if we're taking the time to go about doing this, like you said, even if it's just for a couple minutes here and there, it makes such a difference on the other side of it. Yes, I agree. Do you have any other thoughts in regards to journaling or just how your book can relate back to the intentional lifestyles we're trying to live? Sure. I think that we do not, um, we just don't realize all of the thoughts that are going through us and all of the feelings that are going through us. And so if we take time to pay attention um, to the longings that we have and the desires that we have, we are going to experience more abundant life. And I think the way that that fits into this minimalist mindset, um, it's again, it's clearing clutter, right? So it's not just clearing external clutter in our world, but it's also clearing internal clutter. And that, you know, I would say the goal of paring down my wardrobe or cleaning out my closet so that every time I open the door, something's not falling on me Um, or my pantry. When my kids try to grab, you know, a snack that they can see what's there and a mountain is not falling over on them, that, that shifts our internal state and mindset. And so if we can do that internally, it's going to impact our families and our relationships. And it's going to impact even the energy that we have to kind of go through our homes and declutter. And even at work, um, the ways, you know, I think about my email and my inboxes and everything that's just feels like it's constantly overflowing and we're going to have more energy and actually a, a more clear focus um, if we are attending to the internal imbalances that we might have in our life, it's it's really going to be fleshed out, I think, in a lot of ways, more tangibly, too. That's a really great word. And I think sometimes people can be skeptical that something as maybe simple as journaling could make a difference. But I just feel like there are so many great minds that have lived in this world that have used journaling as a way to either process their emotions or their thoughts and it's worked for them. So I think that we have to kind of pull our skepticism back in and see that it really does work. We've just never given it a shot. And I would just really encourage listeners and myself too. I'm speaking to myself as I say this, but that it could be so much more beneficial than we ever have given it credit for. Yes, for sure. Well, if listeners would like to find a copy of your book, where can they find that and where can they find you? Yes. Well, my website's probably the best place. So that's just MeredithMcDaniel.com and it'll have links to all the places that you can buy the book um, and other resources as well. Great. Well, as we're wrapping up here, I'm going to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is, what is something that you're simplifying right now, aka what is your minimalist moment of the week? Yes. Well, we literally are tackling our closets right now. I mean, it was just getting out of hand. So when I left my house, um, we had piles of things around and we wanted some more white space in our closet so that the, you know, big pile was not falling on us. And we live in kind of a tiny house. And so I, I already feel like I can breathe deeper because everything has a place. And if it doesn't have a place, then it has to leave. So closets are our focus right now. Are you decluttering your children's closets as well? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We have tackled them all. I feel like you start purging once and then it's like, oh, I need to purge again. It's just crazy how it seems that you can always kind of pare down slightly more than you ever saw. It's so true. And I wanted to tell you one one other thing. I've been making sure that my kids' schoolwork and all of that, we don't even bring it in the house. I've had them, they're putting it in the front seat of my car and I literally will stand beside of the trash can and my car and just discard everything I don't need to keep, take those pictures that I need to take. And, you know, everything else, like, it just doesn't have to make its way into my kitchen island, which is a beautiful thing. 
That's a really great idea. I do the same thing with preschool. I take a picture of the calendar and what they did for the day as opposed to taking a sheet at home with me every day that I'm just going to end up recycling anyway. So I love that yes. idea. It's a good idea. Well, what is something that you can't stop talking about? And this can be either a minimalist resource or just something that gets you really excited. I mean, honestly, the only thing I could think about was music. I literally just love music. And, you know, I think it really, I'm trying to figure out how it fits into a minimalist mindset, but I think it does because um, we just, we need more um, like intangible things, right? So like, we, I don't need more stuff. I don't need more stuff. What I need is something that's going to soothe my soul. And so I'm putting all my eggs in the basket for music right now. I feel like I, anytime I hear a song that is just life-giving to me, um, I'm going to tell people about it. And so that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Do you have a few favorite songs that you'd like to recommend? Oh, okay. I really love this girl out of Tennessee, Knoxville, Tennessee specifically. Um, and her name is Jill Andrews. So you guys should definitely check her out. I would say she's getting ready to come out with this um, album and book about her 30s, living in her 30s. And so I think that could be something that you guys would really enjoy. Cool. I'll put her name in the show notes just so listeners remember. And it's funny that you say it is a minimalist, that music can be minimalist, because a few years ago when we were discussing how to decorate for Christmas. I said that you can decorate with music. <laughs> I didn't know if that yes. was kind of like a woo-woo thing to say, but just think about how turning on a Christmas record or putting Christmas music on, it just instantly transitions your house into like a more magical space. It's just so... It does. Yeah, and so I totally agree with you. I think that it is a minimalist way to live and to be. So It fills the whole space without filling the space physically. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Meredith, thank you so much. And congratulations on your book launch. I think that as this is airing today that your book is released. So congratulations to you. And I really thank you for coming on today. Thanks so much, Diane. Looking forward to talking another time sometime soon. What did you think of the episode? I am so grateful that she came on to discuss the importance of journaling as I've seen that even when I take a little bit of time to scribble down some of the thoughts that have been inside my head has been so beneficial just to keep coming back to. And I like how she talked about how patterns in our lives can be seen when we look back over our journals over time. And that can help direct us in certain challenges that we're facing or different paths that we're questioning. And I just find it to be really helpful. So I hope to cultivate more of a journaling habit going into the new year. And I'm curious if you're going to do the same. So I invite you to keep the conversation going by visiting minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find links to the Facebook page, Instagram account, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.